face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. My name is James Shergan, and we are back uh, in time. Uh, you know, not quite as long of a break in between episodes this time around uh, for another uh, podcast. So, uh, Inyaki, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, you know, we're doing a little bit of catch up, I guess, uh, on our podcast. That's why. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, back to back weeks for us after kind of a, uh, a uh, summer break or a spring break, uh, so to speak. Um, so yeah, uh, we are going back to Italy or back to uh, a film set in America, but definitely filmed in Italy uh, for a 1987's uh, Slasher Giallo, um, Stage Fright Aquarius. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, the film here. So uh, quick synopsis, a rehearsal for a play based on a real serial killer turns chaotic when the skate felon comes for the curtain call what do you say well that's somewhat inaccurate <laughs> that that was my thought too uh when reading it um yeah because it only becomes based off the serial killer after the play actually becomes involved with it uh yeah. so yeah uh um anyways uh Inyaki, what did you think of stage fright uh it's a fun concept um uh, I, I i it's it's interesting because I, I think there's a lot of movies that have been inspired by... Uh, or I, actually, I don't know how popular this film was. I looked on IMDb. Uh, um, no, sorry, not IMDb, but Wikipedia, and it looked like uh, this film uh, was... Uh, it's considered one of the uh, more underrated horror films. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet... I. There's a lot of elements in this film that uh, you can see in uh, more modern films. And I'm very curious whether this film took from other movies that I, I, I'm unaware of, or if other mo- or if more recent movies took it from this film. Um, it's I so like, like for example, you know the the cops talking about their food. Uh, like that, that kind of worthless chit chat. Uh, we found it in, um, if I'm not mistaken, in the uh, Halloween, the la- latest Halloween remake. Not the ha- not Halloween Kills, but the previous one, yeah, where yeah. you just have cops like randomly talking about like the one, uh, like one guy trying, like it's like, oh, my wife is making me this because she wants me to lose weight. Like I was like, huh, I wonder if uh, you know they, the the makers watched <laughs> uh, State Fight. Uh, I. I, I Another example would be, um, I mean, that one was the, the one that struck me the most. But I mean, uh, I think back to Halloween. I think one of the uh, one of the millions of Halloween remakes, them the, it, it is set like at a uh, not at a play, but I think it's a, a filming set, a film set. Uh, the killer is killing actors. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scream three, two, I think, uh, kind of well, does yeah. that same. Right, uh, exactly. Scream Three uh, does thing. that as well. Right. Um, I mean, even uh, Argento's opera, which came out the same year, actually, nineteen eighty-seven, is sort of, um, you know, it has some surface-level similarities to it. Very different films, obviously, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking more in the films that are set within um, within the actual stage and not at uh, like this one is all set in the stage. You know, you don't leave that place. Um, I'm just trying to remember which Halloween I'm talking about. 
It has oh, a wrapper uh, in it. Uh, I H two O resurrected one of the one of those. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know exactly which one you're talking about, but uh, <laughs> I don't. It, it's the one after H two O. I'm pretty sure. It was one of the. It was one of the bad ones. Like H two O is. It shows like, the good bad one, and then this is the bad bad one. Yeah, I mean, like from Halloween four and up, they're all pretty bad. And then you get H two O, which is like a little peak, and you're like, oh, this is good. And then the next one's still crap. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. So, so how did you like the film though? Uh, I uh, it was fun. Uh, it, it, it's. From going to from going going from you know like a very good well acted film to this one, uh, that's the part where you know I, I you know it's it's unfair to compare The Exorcist and its acting <laughs> with the acting in this film, but uh, boy. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Exorcist is like going from like all star cast like all time like some of the best actors ever uh, to right. uh, to the minor leagues uh, so to speak. I mean. Uh, there is a bit of a drop off going to this film, uh, and, and then you add the dubbing to it too. So it's just I don't know. Like, I, yeah, like yeah. for example, Peter, which I think is David Brandon. Uh, well, you know, it's not a bad. He's not a bad actor normally, but uh, what his voice and the tone of his voice was conveying versus what his face was conveying was so not in sync that it looked like terrible acting. And <laughs> I'm not sure whose fault it is. Well, that's what happens when you uh, bust your whole budget on on the mask. Uh, clearly, it all went to the owl mask that that is used in this film. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think this film is certainly a more uh, minor film. Uh, I, I think you could say, uh, in the sense that it's not the complete package uh, that you're getting here. But I do have quite a good time with Stage Fright, and for me, it's sort of one of those films that's very cheap and cheerful and easy to watch um so yeah let's get into uh a little bit of background i I think one other interesting thing about this film is that it's one of the films that comes 1987 so same year as opera much later than uh kind of your jello boom that had happened but also post slasher and i do feel like this film feels a lot like um an american slasher uh as well as uh having some of those giallo elements and part of that is the simplified nature part of it is the mask uh part of it is kind of like the troop getting killed off and some of these tropes certainly have a lot of overlap with giallo too uh but uh part of it is also the lack of mystery uh there's no like uh cycle babble uh that we get at the end of the film explaining exactly the killer the killer is very clearly um we know who the killer is from uh kind of the get-go here so uh, yeah this film I mean, I, I, I don't know if you call it giallo by any means. Is we're just saying it because it's Italian, and I, I know that sounds unfair, but I, I'll say that right now. And the, and the reason is, I mean, this movie is literally uh, uh, like this is a Halloween esque film. This is a slasher, you know. It's so much so that you know you have a, a, a doctor saying, "Hey, you know, like uh, Michael Myers from Halloween." Well, you know, uh, our killer is that version, but here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. except for some reason he's named Irving Wallace, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, maybe not maybe a name that they should have workshopped a little more. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Irving Wallace is striking fear into uh, into. Well, I'm us. pretty sure Michael, My- Michael Myers back then was like, you know, also not a, a fear a name that would strike fear. 
that's true fair it, uh, it, yeah. it gained its reputation due to you know yeah yeah, the yeah. Good movie um well i agree with you I, there's no way this film would classify as giallo if it were not um italian made i mean they even tried to make this set in america uh so it absolutely uh correct there um i feel like it does get lumped into giallo because it does kind of belong uh it, it is italian made it's made by uh this directorial de- debut by michele suave who's sort of a really interesting figure in the italian horror landscape uh for those of the, you who are not familiar he basically directed four films um this is his first film uh in the span of 1987 to 94 uh which are kind of considered to be part of like the last hurrah of um italian horror uh, Ital- Italian genre cinema at this point had really been going downhill for quite some time. So he was only 30 when he made this film, so uh, a young filmmaker, uh, the same age as Argento when he did Bird with the Crystal Plumage, who's also one of uh, Argento's protégés. So the film does have uh, a little bit of that uh, look and the movement of the camera. It's certainly not at the level of like an Argento film, uh, something like Opera, which was the same year, but it is interesting that Suave uh, and, and his later films... Um, uh, do start to kind of have that Argento uh, look to him, and they even have kind of this uh, Goblin knockoff score to uh, this film that is sort of similar to Goblin, uh, and sort of similar to the rock scores that Argento was doing at the time, too. But uh, Suave was the assistant director on Tenebrae, uh, Phenomena, Phenomena, and Opera uh, before Ooh. he got this opportunity to direct, and he would go on to collaborate with Argento on, I think, a couple films where Argento was the producer for them. So both this year, he was an assistant uh, director on Opera and directed it, this film himself. Um, this film was written by uh, George Eastman, who is a also a really interesting uh, figure. He's mostly well known for being an actor, and he has a very unique presence uh, in Italian genre films, and is kind of a favorite for a lot of people, myself included. Uh, he is a massive human being. He is about six foot ten and huge, and so he uh, he is not uh, in this film at all. I think he does occasionally play the killer, so the guy with the mask. But uh, you would be able to tell <laughs> who he is if you ever see him because he is the uh, big, big, massive uh, man that you'll see in some uh, Italian films. So he's in a couple cannibal films and a bunch of uh, just genre films in general, uh, a couple Poliziotescus as well. Um, so that's just a little bit of background on the film. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, any, anything that uh, stuck off to you, uh, just kicking it to you uh, before we kind of uh, get into uh, the meat of the film. Um. I mean, the the humor, I guess. There is some sort of uh, subtle humor in it. Either that or, you know, I, I laughed <laughs> at inappropriate things. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I laughed at the uh, fuck Popeye part. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some of, the, uh, some of the Italian takes on American dialogue is, you know, not good, but also kind of funny and sort of endearing in a way. <laughs> uh, I mean... You know that the cop, uh, the younger cop, is the director, right? It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I laughed when you know he was comparing himself to uh, James Dean, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Interestingly, uh, Suave, you know, opera how there's like the two cops, and mm-hmm. one is the killer, and then one gets killed by the killer. Uh, mm-hmm. Suave plays the cop that gets killed by the killer. I see. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I was pointing that out is because, like, you know, if I was a director, I, I should I should have a scene where I'm like looking at a picture of, uh, you know, Brad Pitt and be like, man, 
People say they look like like him. Yeah. <laughs> People say I'm the Chilean Brad Pitt, you know? What do you think? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he like brings it to the other actor. The other actor uh, was like, if, if you look like James Dean, I'm Marlon Brando. And the funny thing with him is that actor is Mickey Knox. We're getting into some like deep cut trivia here. Uh, mm-hmm. Who uh, kind of came from that same school of acting as Marlon Brando too. So, uh, <laughs> But basically was blacklisted and had to do uh, sort of these works of toss away uh, Italian film uh, work here. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it is humorous. Um, I feel like this film as a whole doesn't take itself too seriously, which makes mm-hmm. for me this film just to be a fairly fun, easy, very digestible watch. You don't have to think too hard about anything. Um, it's certainly not a major film, but um, quite a fun one. Um, it's an easy watch. For sure. Yeah, very digestible. Um, yeah, uh, one thing that I think is notable about this film is it is very simple, and I do think that serves it well. Uh, one thing I do not love about a lot of Jellos is how they tack on explanations and stuff like that at the end. This film just keeps it simple. I like that. Um, I think it suits the film. Uh, Another thing about the film, too, is I do think it has a very distinct sort of three-act structure to it in a way that does set it apart a little bit from slashers or other slashers of the time. Uh, The first act is really a lot of establishment. There is one kill during that, which is the kill in the rain, uh, which kind of reminds me a lot of like the overwhelming weather and something like Phenomena. And then the second act is really the slasher act, and that's the bloodbath that happens. And then the third act um, is probably my favorite, actually, which is the one where they go into full Hitchcock suspense mode. That act Mm kind of reminds me a lot of Torso, and I really like how they use the set uh, during that act in the sense Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden the set starts to feel really massive because we have just basically the lone survivor who is knocked out at some point and trying to piece together what exactly has happened, um, but knowing that she's in danger in these kind of massive sets. And all of a sudden she's like walking down hallways. It feels a little bit Shining inspired at times. Mm Um, and um, I really like how that part is set up. She has to get a key, which is a very um, sort of jello-ish thing to happen. And so I do like the patience and the way that it sets all that stuff out. Any of that stuff um, sort of stick out to you? Uh, it, it's interesting you, you mentioned the act things because I, I usually do, when, when we watch movies for this podcast, I do like structure or try to structure my notes and act, mm-hmm. even though I, I don't talk about it that way. And for me, it's usually in many films, it's really hard to, like, I'm not an expert on this, so I'm not really good at like pointing out when, like, when one act ends and the other one begins until after I think about it. This was one of the few films where I was like, oh, this is act three. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you're right, like after the bloodbath, uh, you know, we have that, that's, you know, the, uh, your your classic uh, climax, uh, and then you are back in the calm and in the final solution, right? Uh, and it was just like my notes were really easy to structure, which uh, I never had that before. Um, but uh, yes, I agree with you that uh, the third act is probably the the most interesting, uh, the most fascinating, uh, because. Visually is very striking. Uh, you add a level of suspense that uh, this film did not have as much before. Yeah, for sure. And um, and, and and yeah, it's it's the more I would say it's the, the most mature part of the film. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it's kind of by its nature forced to be the most cinematic uh, on visuals because literally it's just a cat and mouse game between a killer who doesn't say a word and um, and our main protagonist, a uh, woman who is kind of just a bland, typical slasher <laughs> female protagonist, final girl, basically. Um, yeah, uh, it, and, you had some uh, good action in there too, though. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, or good stunts. Yeah, you know, no, there are some fun stunts, um, uh, especially in the bloodbath. Uh, I think there's some stuff, but I, I do love uh, just the whole way they filmed that. I love how uh, the the uh, woman, uh, I even forget her character name here, has to go <laughs> under the floorboards in order to get the key. Uh, and sort of, what, what was that? Her name is Ali or Alicia. Alicia, okay. I think. Uh, Alicia has to go kind of under the floorboards to get the key. Meanwhile, sort of like the uh, Irving Wallace has uh, set up his own play with sort of like all the bodies and stuff like that, which I think mm-hmm. is just like some really cool set design. So I think there's some really, really nice shots. I think by far uh, the third act is sort of my favorite of them. I do feel like the film sort of um, picks up steam as it goes along. My favorite order would probably be third act, second, and then first First, probably being the most generic. Second, at least, moves fast and has a lot of kills. And third, I think, is easily uh, the most impressive of the three. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, uh, I mean, and when I was talking about stunt, stunt, I actually was talking about the third act. I mean, the second act. Oh, or the, okay. Like, the second act, sure, you have lots of kills. But, uh, I mean, besides... I mean, there were a couple of really good ones. But, I mean, many of them are almost off screen. Well, in the third act, you literally have the guy hanging on that on that cable as he's chopping it. He's like climbing. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming we're gonna get more into in details there, but uh, all of that was just really fun to watch. Um, you know, burning a, a person alive. You know, all of that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, now is as good a time as any to sort of get into that. Um, oddly enough, I, I don't feel like this is quite as set-piece-oriented as, as a lot of Jellos uh, tend to be. So, But yeah, uh, um, I, I do like how all of that is structured. I mean, I'm a suspense guy, so personally, I, I, that stuff is playing very much uh, into what I like uh, as far as that stuff goes. Is there anything else you wanted to share about uh, sort of the stunts and uh, stuff that stood out to you in that third act? Well, I mean, I, I was just thinking. Uh, to to me, the the the, uh, the stunt where the guy is just climbing that uh, that cable. Uh, I mean, it's a high altitude. The man is literally just climbing himself by, but like the guy falls, grabs onto it. Uh, I mean, I think that the stunt itself looks pretty dangerous. Uh, I don't know if there are wires. I'm assuming there are, but I don't know because you have to cut them out. But mm-hmm. then when he's climbing up. Uh, it doesn't look like there's a lot of sleight of hand. So, you know, and then as he's moving up, she's, she's like, ha- uh, what's it called? Uh, axing that, uh, that, that cable. Cord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, until he falls. I mean, that, that was pretty impressive. And the, uh, the second one is, you know, her like throwing fire on, onto him when he was in the ground uh, as he tries to grab her leg and then he's just running away. I mean, those are two moments where our... When we're talking about stunts, are you know kind of impressive. I mean, they're they're nowhere close to you know Hong Kong, but uh, I think uh, they're still like they're pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're the sort of stunts where people can easily get hurt uh, for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like not an insignificant amount of distance to fall uh, from there too. Uh, So certainly a little bit dangerous uh, for sure. Uh, How about? 
the killer design where do you stand on the owl mask uh, it's fun it's fun yeah I like it too uh, I think it's just a unique look it's like if you're going to remember anything from this film film it's definitely uh, the owl mask uh, mm-hmm. what's your move if I um, if I just show up on your door in a week and I'm just wearing the owl mask I'd be surprised you you flew to DC. <laughs> would you? You wouldn't have questions. You wouldn't be like, "What's going on?" Well, I'm assuming it would be you. <laughs> um, I, I I like how the owl mask films too. How you kind of have the owl eyes, and then within it, you see sort of the human eyes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I like the close-ups that we get from there. Uh, it looked really uncomfortable, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. If you had a cat, are you naming him Lucifer? It's a great name. It's a great name. I mean, that's all I can say. As soon as when he's like, Lucifer, where are you? I'm like, oh, that's great. It's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe the cat, uh, cat, one of the better actors in, in this film for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So let's see. Um, so getting into some of the uh, stuff that I liked. Uh, so any scenes that you want to pull out, just feel free to interject or anything like that. Okay. Uh, uh, one thing, uh, one set that I did really like is kind of how they set up uh, where they're kind of coming back for rehearsals. Uh, the director is kind of your classical dick uh, who is like trying to milk uh, the kill that had happened earlier in the film mm-hmm. uh, in order to kind of strum up interest in the play. Uh, I think that's probably one of the better performances of the film. Anyways, so basically they're going back to the rehearsal and um, they have a guy playing the killer in an owl mask. And what they don't know is that, but you as the audience knows, is that the killer has taken the place of that person. Mm-hmm. And so when the director's like, killer, killer, uh, obviously intending it to be fake. Uh, and then instead, uh, the person just stabs them. Um, yeah. I, I, I like how that's set up. Um, it's kind of done in a way that I think is, you know, reasonably clever uh, for mm-hmm. the sort of film and that this is uh yeah i i thought that was one set, set that did uh, stick out to me yeah i i agree i um it's it's fun it, it's it's funny because the director is still kind of a dick until like the the girl is actually killed because i mean the, the killer is first choking her and director thinks that they're acting so it's like harder harder and then and then uh, the killer takes out the knife and at that point the director's like why is there that's a not, knife there? That, that's not in the script. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not that's not a prop. <laughs> no, yeah, that's you shouldn't be having that. And then and then once you start stabbing her, that's when you first like you finally realize, oh, oh, I'm an idiot. And and I also like uh, plot wise how they set it up. Like, why are they all locked? Well, the director's an idiot. Let's start with that. But then the second part is the director tells her, the girl who just get who just got killed, to hide the fucking key. <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's you know it's it's kind of your stereotypical setup you know exactly what's going to happen when that happens as soon as the person is like told to hit the key you're like okay this person is definitely going to be the next person to die mm-hmm. um but uh it works I, I i like how it's set up it's simple yeah, no, but it's, it, it works it's, it's obvious but it's it's sufficiently well like it's sufficiently well done to the point that uh, you know you're okay with it, like because you know she could have hit the knife, she could have been killed, and then what happened to the knife? And everyone could ignore that. But no, here the movie actually puts it out. Like we thought about it because someone asked, "Hey, where's the knife?" 
Only she knows. Ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, there's that one, of course. There's Willie. Willie has the other, the, the other copy. Fucking Willie. <laughs> Who basically gets written out until the very end and gets to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, I had a thought, and I lost my train of thought there for a moment. Um, let's see. What do I got here? Uh, sorry, Do you want me to talk while you're, you're thinking? or uh, Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, I guess one, one of the things that this film does try to play a little bit with is uh, that, that I thought was interesting or fun was the director. So the film sets out the director like from the very beginning as a complete dick. Uh, but, but, after he com- but when he convinces everyone to stay, uh, it sort of sets up a, a situation that apparently um, it, it makes sense. Where besides the bis- businessman with the briefcase full of money, all the actors and the director were poor as fuck. They're all actually working for free. And uh, they would get that briefcase full of money after the play was done, or how, depending on how successful the play was doing. Uh, so it, it gives you a little backstory, for a very short but like decent backstory to understand why maybe he's being a dick. And then uh, there's a moment where, in fact, he seems... Uh, empathetic and you're like oh maybe this guy is a good guy so i i like this sort of it's not an arc but i like uh <laughs> because uh, this, again this is a simple movie no one has an arc in this thing uh but i like how the director goes from being a complete douchebag to in the middle during act two <laughs> being empathetic and being like hey i'm sorry about you know your leg i should have listened to you and he yeah. seems like very caring and then at the end of act two when you know uh his options are to push an actress towards uh, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, chainsaw-wielding killer or, you know, maybe throw an axe at the killer that probably would, would have inhabilitated the killer. He chooses the former. <laughs> um, yeah. The killer, you know, slash it, like, literally... I mean, I don't even know. I think the killer even swings at her because she literally falls onto the chainsaw <laughs> getting hurt. And then the killer walks towards uh, the director and kills him. I don't know uh, about you, but I, I think that's like Academy Award winning, like zero to hero to zero work right there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that was, but that's all on the writing, of course. Uh, but it was... <laughs> it is it was it interesting. Is, it is amusing. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was amusing. I was not expecting it to be honest, and I think that's that was probably one of the the highlights. One of the highlights in the film, the character himself is just uh, it, it. It was I've never seen basically a character that is irre- irredeemable, almost redeem itself, and then become irredeemable again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, like totally irredeemable at the end, where he's like tossing someone out in front. He couldn't even come up with a good reason for the killer uh, not to kill him too. He's like, "I'll just leave you alone, and you leave me alone." Okay, okay, good deal, right? Good deal. It's like, the killer's like, "Fuck no." <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, that was uh, 
that was pretty good. Uh, I, I was intending to bring that up at some point too, so thank you for doing that. Uh, so yeah, this is what happens when you can't read your own handwriting is you end up staring at it and blanking out for a while. Um, but I was going to ask you, how bad is the play that they were going to put on? You know, I don't. I know they don't have Rotten Tomatoes for a play like this, but what what's the percentage score that they would have if they were having it? Thirteen percent, twelve percent. So I I have a I have a quote from uh, the beginning of this film, and uh, I, I think this was the quote that this play was supposed to be remembered by. Victim rapes her own murder. It'll be sensational. <laughs> uh, that's a quote from the film. That's uh, the director describing it to the businessman, uh, Ferrari. Um, I think it, this will be a hot trash. And that's the idea. It's during the exploitation era. And, you know, having an exploitation play in Broadway. It's... The actors are all basically not getting paid. It, it's a trash. The, the production company, like, this is trash from the beginning. Like, you you see everyone at this dress rehearsal, which, by the way, it's a dress rehearsal, and no one is ready. The dress rehearsal is what you do before the play actually comes out, and um, and obviously this is like these are in films they know this shit. So obviously this is like a ter terrible actors. Terrible dress rehearsal, rehearsal, terrible director, and then the costume. Everyone hates the costumes. Everyone is uncomfortable with the costume. The owl guy is bitching about it. Uh, uh, there, there are several characters just going like. Uh, I think almost all of them are just like, "Ah, oh, this is this. I hate this costume. It's so uncomfortable." Main character gets stuck with her zipper. Um, Laurel, I mean, beyond it looking like a like a fucking I don't know it's just a really stupid costume it just looks really ugly she also hates it uh it, it's one of those plays where I'm just like yeah this is hot garbage and uh I think they're doing it with very if no money and they hope that uh it'll be trash it will be so trashy that it'll gather people to watch it through that sheer impact Right. Yeah, and you can tell it's not working too. So it, it makes sense uh, in the context that they're putting on a, a really, really shitty play, um, which bizarrely has the killer in an owl mask, uh, which, you know, makes no sense, but also makes complete sense in the sense that they're making something uh, crappy. And, and, and this owl will be raped by its victim. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you make me kind of want to see this play, uh, just to see how hot trash it could be yeah i know i know i'm not, I'm not that's that's the whole point yeah um <laughs> you know uh, it was a very good year for birds and jello during this year you have opera with the ravens that probably costs way more than the whole budget of this film and then you have uh, a guy walking around in an owl mask killing off people in this film so uh you know connections now how many cats do you think were hurt in this uh, in the production of this uh uh, I don't know. How many do you think? I don't know, but they were pretty rough with that fucking cat. Oh yeah, you thought I so? I feel like they kept on grabbing it, like tossing it, and, and it was a real cat the entire time. So I'm curious whether it's one cat, two cat, two cats. 
more or less than Inferno, where they're just throwing cats on the uh, Dari Nicolodi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think those were animatronics, though, right? Hopefully. Uh, uh, I'm not counting on it. Uh, I, you know Dario likes to use real animals. Yeah. I mean, Italy loves their cannibal Holocaust films in which you have to kill at least three animals to... Yeah, it's like one of the prerequisites. It's like you have to check it off, otherwise it's not officially an Italian cannibal film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I mean, yeah. I have no idea as as far as the cat stuff goes. I I suppose there probably was um, a little bit of a cat injury or two uh, on the set here. All right, uh, let's see. yeah, so um, I like uh, the set, too. Uh, any takes on the set? Um, I think it you know, it works well as sort of like a single location film where we get to go backstage kind of in the uh, rafters up in the air, too. Uh, I like how there's, like, mannequins around, uh, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, any thoughts on kind of just the uh, set design? No, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I really like the, uh, like the the platforms um like I, I guess the upper catwalks and things like that that uh at a little of a three-dimensional like you can you can see up like you can see they can see the killer when he's up on the catwalk uh or the or you can see the killer when he, when they are up in the uh, catwalk while the killer is down uh and in both cases it's just sort of fun because you have this uh the space that is not that big but uh, that becomes big because of all the different levels, and even though everything is very visible, visible, it's uh, it, it, it adds. Uh, it's very dynamic. Uh, I would say that's that's what it is. It's very. It's a very dynamic stage. Uh, I am. I almost prefer more than you know uh, other giallo films or horror films where you are in multiple different buildings. But uh, like. It's just not as fun. The here you get to explore like the the cat and mouse, especially between the killer and the final girl at the end. Um, the other thing I liked about the stage, of course, is also the uh, on the third act, the the use of the corpses to set up that beautiful scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Irving Wallace was. I mean, he was he was probably a much better actor than everyone else knew how to really uh, put on a performance. Mm-hmm. And probably much better at set design than uh peter um i also like in hell in that last shot i mean if you're taking away any images from the film it's sort of like that what you were just describing there where uh he kind of takes all the bodies uh chops off the head of a mannequin and puts the director's head on top of it uh it's just a really cool shot you see like the feathers blowing he puts on like uh some really loud opera music basically mm-hmm or operatic music and basically she has to go under the floorboards i think that stuff is definitely uh mm-hmm. some pretty masterful honestly i, I think it's really yeah. uh, well executed yeah you had the cat on him so he almost looks like a bond bil- villain yeah 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 good old lucifer uh mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i don't even think bond would bond villain would call his cat lucifer uh <laughs> uh yeah for sure um, what do you make of the second act where we kind of have the basically the body count act where we have everyone kind of getting chopped down in a matter of um, about uh, five minutes there? Uh, I mean, uh, 
it starts off kind of cliche, you know, rich man, uh, rich man is, I think is the first one b besides the the friend who gets killed at the very beginning. Then it's just like uh, the, the the fat rich guy for Mr. Ferrari getting killed as he's trying to bribe the killer. Well, I think first uh, it's the uh, uh, the woman when they don't realize it's the killer in the owl mask, and then it's for our, for Oh, you're our, right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So that kill is really good, but that's sort of like, that's really the turning point. Well, turning point is when they lock everything, but after her, it's uh, Mr. Ferrari, like Mr. Ferrari, and then everyone else. And at first it's a little bit cliche, and then it gets, it goes back to sort of exciting or interesting when everyone gets weapons. So, you think that the film will go will go some somewhere different because uh, they all realize, oh, where did he, he got the drill from the tool room? We can get weapons there, and and it almost seems like they have a plan. They're all to they're all together and stuff, um, and even though that ends up in almost nothing, it is sort of exciting to see that because it, it kept kept me interested on on saying like oh who's chasing who is the lone killer gonna be chasing them or are they gonna chase him and at, at, at the beginning it seems like they're gonna chase him until you know he chop chops a, a woman in two yeah 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 i mean that's where it kind of just all goes to shit uh too because not only can they get uh weapons but the killer can also get his choice of weapon which is apparently um very uh, the killer was just a big fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre because he goes for uh, goes for the chainsaw, and yeah, I mean that's where they're in sort of in that ceiling type area in the rafters. That's where it goes to shit. Where one of the yeah. women gets pulled down and gets uh, sawed in half basically, and then her boyfriend I think uh, just goes crazy uh, and jumps down in there like an idiot. Mm -hmm and basically gets mowed down i like that shot too it's very simply executed but he's kind of like in the screen and then we just have uh the guy with the chainsaw just come and just push him off screen basically mm -hmm. um yeah it's i feel like i've seen that shot maybe in texas chainsaw before but just a just a classic uh just well done um yeah. i don't know if the kills are like head and shoulders above slashers but i think they're generally pretty solidly executed and well done uh yeah yeah i mean it's it's in a way it's one of the tame i mean it's it's kind of tame for a slasher except for the girl getting cut in half uh which yeah. the, the shock value is more about how they think they're rescue they're pulling her and rescuing her and then you know when they fully pull her it's like oh it's just her torso and, yeah yeah uh, so, so you get a shock value, and, and plot-wise, it works really well. I, I, I think, I'm not saying, I, I mean, I think the kills are, are done really tastefully, uh, in that they're all, they're not a, as explicit as other films. Um, and they're interesting enough. I, I, I think the, 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 the act where everyone's getting killed in general speaking, is pretty much on, on par with your average slasher. But there are some interesting moments that make it worth worthwhile. Right. I, I would say the main difference, uh, I would I would agree with you for the most part. The main difference, I think, is the concentration of kills. Uh, just the sense that they all happen uh, extremely fast. It's almost just like a massacre of mm -hmm. like five people getting killed uh, in just a few minutes. 
uh, in down to like, oh, well, I guess we're at the final girl stage already uh, at basically as soon as everyone dies. Because uh, with about 40 minutes left in the film, I think you still have six or seven characters alive. But by uh, by the time it's only like an hour or half an hour left, uh, you're down to just the one woman. Uh, well, that's Alicia. because they, mm-hmm. they they chased the killer. Mm-hmm. And, and in most films, you don't you don't have that. In most films, everyone is uh, hiding, running away. And I think this one, uh, I think the the kill count went really fast because they chased the killer, which meant that they were all there, ready to be mowed down. Because all the care, I mean, if there's one thing this movie does really uh, follows a slasher to the T is they're all idiots. <laughs> and, uh, and they should have I mean, stuck to acting. Uh, there was one character who apparently used to be a uh, 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 worked at a cafe serving drinks. Mm-hmm. That's what they should have stuck to. Um, <laughs> no, but but, but what, what I'm saying is like I thought this was going to get a little bit closer to. Um, uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the one where... Uh, oh, yeah, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Yeah, where there's a plan, and they actually execute the plan fairly well. I mean, shit ends up not working because the the enemy on that one is a lot a lot more powerful than you know this dude. I thought it was going to be like that in the sense that they were going to really take full agency and it was going to be a cat and mouse. It was going to be who co- it's going to catch who. But uh, instead, it, instead uh, the director c- kills Brett. Let's start with that. Because Brett actually was not killed by the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a smart twist setup, too. Uh, yeah. Maybe not totally surprising if you've seen enough of these things. But uh, it, I was like, oh, that's going to be Brett in there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone knew that. But I mean, I didn't know he was going to be alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so you got that. But... Uh, but beyond that, I, I, I just, they're all together. And that's the part where it was interesting. Because in most films, if they're chasing the killer, they're all split up to chase the killer. And obviously then each of them is getting killed one, one by one slowly because the killer has to figure right. each one out. Here they're all together, which in theory, like whenever, I mean, you know, you, you've seen, you've seen uh, Scream and uh, Cabin in the Woods. They both talk about that cliche of splitting up is a terrible idea. Well, here they're all together. Yeah. But they executed terribly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also like, uh, to use a poker term, they basically went on tilt once uh, like stuff started to not go according to their plan and mm-hmm. like just shit hit the fan. It was like, especially the guy that jumped down there. I mean, it was talk about uh, unforced air uh, that, that really messed up the plans. And the director just being, uh, yeah generally uh generally a fuck up so you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do uh okay uh all right well um anything else to share about sort of the conclusion of the third act where uh where our lead wakes back up after kind of being knocked out uh and basically has to navigate her way out of there uh fighting off the killer in the meantime anything to add i mean Mm -hmm. no i think again the um the sheer level of um, suspense makes it very worthwhile. Um, 
and and again the 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 play on on the, within the location right she's under the stage as a killer or the killer you know set up that beautiful stage she's then on the upper catwalk all the way up uh, while the killer is down chasing her uh she cuts him off and he's down and then there's that fire thing which we had seen already i mean the the movie has a lot of I guess one of the things that the movie has, does really well is the setups and payoffs. So you had that uh, that uh, can with fire, and you saw burning pay, uh, like some money, but you didn't know what the fuck that was for or, or how it's going to be used. Oh, it's used to kill to kill the killer. You have this tall uh, this tall uh, like high up catwalk. Uh, you know you know someone's going to fall, but you don't know how. Well, you get to see it, and it's actually a really fun scene. Uh, so it sets up a little elements throughout. You even have the gun, right? It, it sets up the gun. She tries to shoot him, obviously fails, because you know a good guy with a gun does not solve the situation, unless uh, you know how to use it. Which means, <laughs> I mean, even if you know how to use it, it doesn't necessarily solve the situation. But yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, which. Again, you know, an, a, another thing that is set up, and then at the end you get to see it being used, way at the end. Uh, I mean, all those little, little elements. Uh, it, it's just, I think, on that level, it's sort of fun to. Uh, this movie did a good job at like setting up little things. Right, 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 uh, for sure. Um, I also like how the Almas makes the person in it seem really big, too, uh, mm-hmm. just because it kind of, like, enlarges it, so it kind of makes the person just superhuman, almost. Um, if you did not know that this film was Italian-made, would you think it was American, or would you be able to identify it as Italian, do you think? I think because of the dubbing, and this one, the dubbing, there were moments where, like, the dubbing was just really bad. Mm-hmm. I would not think it's American. Okay. Would I think it's Italian? I don't know. Uh, oh, another reason why I would not think it's American. Uh, the weird-ass placement of an American flag. <laughs> yeah. uh, whenever, whenever you have a non-American film, you got to have like flags and weird-ass places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, why does this random theater place even have that? Uh, yeah, they... Uh... That, that is one way that they like to make it seem like their stuff is set in America when it very clearly is not. So, I mean, all of those things would make me think, no, this is not an American movie. Would I think this is an Italian film? Uh, no, not necessarily. It could be from anywhere from Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spain had a bunch of films sort of like this too, uh, a slasher knockoff, so to speak. Um, do you see, uh, because Michele Suave is kind of an Argento protege, do you see very much Argento in any of this? Perhaps in the rock use, uh, it, that, you know, whenever there were action scenes, you had this, um, uh, industrial rock sound coming up. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the goblin, not goblin. I mean, it's industrial rock. I mean, Goblin it did not create it. It's, the, you have other bands. And I mean, and also this is the 80s. And I mean, this film is 80s through and through. For sure. And, and even the rock is that. It, it's not. Uh, Go- Goblin rock was 
yeah. I think more distinct. This is more eighties uh, like uh, rock. Yeah, so eighties we even get like the random saxophone in it. I know. Although I love that saxophone. <laughs> yeah. I was actually digging that saxophone. I was also like, why why is there a saxophone in this too? Uh, but, I, uh, I was digging it. I <laughs> Yeah. So eighties, uh or early nineties. Uh just totally places the film there. Um yeah, I think you're you're right. I, I don't know if I noticed that much Argento in this. Uh, Argento did not produce this film. I think you probably see a little bit more of that in some of the later Michele Suave uh films that he would do. Uh, a couple of years later um, but I do feel like this film simple as it is is clearly done by uh, some fairly talented people uh, even if it's not exactly uh, groundbreaking so mm -hmm. yeah um, I think that more or less uh, kind of sums up what I have for the film uh, any last words before we move on to uh, Souvenir and who won uh, I just wanted to you know talk about fucking Willie uh, the, the worst fucking I don't know if he's a guard or the manager of the building, but whatever it is, he's the fucking worst. So, you know, technically, I mean, it, whenever someone would pinch his fucking cheek and be like, oh, Willie, come on, please. Willie would be like, all right, ha, ha, ha. I will fucking do whatever you're asking me. Yeah, and, and 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 that was that was the cost for the killer to get in, for then uh, her to go back in to get in harm's way, and and then you know after you being completely reckless on on all directions, including not following the cops because someone pinch pinches cheek, a, not someone, a girl pinches cheek and be like, oh come on Willie. Uh, after all of that, you know he kills the he kills the killer. And goes like, yep, right between the eyes, Ali. Right between the eyes. Yep, right between the eyes, Ali. And it's like, come on, Willie. What's wrong with you, Willie? That's my thought. That was my thought. Well, he named his damn cat Lucifer, so don't tell me you didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Willie is clearly an interesting person. Uh, <laughs> um, but in this film, he's mostly a plot device to make sure certain stuff is uh, unlocked or locked and uh to also to eventually kind of play the hero i guess in a weird way yeah he, he's the well he's the, he almost reminds me of uh of a character uh from snl played by keenan thompson yeah uh i mean he kind of opens his eyes real wide like keenan does too <laughs> yeah that too but no but it, it, there's one there there was one sketch about uh like this guy like there's a guy who's like oh, okay we, we have an issue with you because you looked at her weird uh so we're gonna have to fire you like this is boss talking to him and then they're like on uh you this other guy who's like uh, this all black man i mean ken thompson playing an old black man be like yeah we're gonna have to let you go too and he's like oh how come is it because i've been grabbing this girl's ass every day and it's like, no. And everyone's like, no, why is he leaving? He's such a cute old man. And he's like fully sexual harassment in all the ways. Well, yeah. Every, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget yeah, the name. I, I remember this. I, I feel like his name might have been Willie in that too. But, you know, Probably. Maybe, maybe, maybe we were wrong. Yeah. But, but I mean, this is kind of like, this Willie felt like that too. It's like, oh, if a girl were to, you know, like. Yeah. To show some sort of interest, they'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna do it." <laughs> well, maybe they should use some, uh, you know, George Lucas technology and and just get uh, 
get Keenan Thompson recast it and redo that part where he just gets like post edited in uh, I mean, into the, the world the, role. I feel like that would be a downgrade on the level of acting. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess Keenan is probably not the greatest actor uh, alive. Um, okay, uh, so justice for Willie, or no justice for Willie. Uh, all right, well, what souvenir are you taking? Uh, probably the owl mask. Okay, I, I feel like that's the only answer. Uh, I feel like it, it has to be the owl mask. Uh, it's just a cool mask. Uh, you can mess with your friends. Uh, you mm-hmm. can show up at your doorstep in the owl mask, and uh, I don't know what you, how you react. Uh, you can freak some people out. Um, yeah. yeah, just a good, uh, good classic slasher mask. Uh, I mean, I was going to say Lucifer, perhaps, but uh, that cat was too noisy. Also, it was, like, clearly very comfortable with being the killer's cat. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, like, sitting on the lap uh, with all the bodies around. Was it chewing on some intestines at some point? Yep. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah, I think it, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know... Uh, Lucifer, uh, Lucifer was very quick to adopt to being Irving Wallace's uh, kitten. Uh, okay, uh, who won the film? Um, I guess yeah, pro- probably we're gonna give it to uh, uh, Suavi. Yeah, kind of by uh, default. Right, I mean, none of the acting performances are great. Um, I feel like the lead was fine. I think she wasn't too bad, but there's they're all sort of playing very uh sort of cardboard cutout uh, generic bland characters, which you know if you've watched enough of these slashers, it's pretty par for the course as far as these films go. Um, not a lot of character development beyond the uh, zero to hero, back to zero uh, from our director Peter. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I gotta give it to Swabby too. How about uh, rating? Uh, seven. Okay, yeah. Uh, coming in pretty close to me then. I'm at uh, seven and a half. Uh, definitely a film that I have a good time with. Is it a great film? No. Uh, but is it a fun watch? Absolutely, uh, for me at least. Uh, it's just uh, the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, where do you stand on the soundtrack? Did you like the soundtrack? Uh, I really like actually the use of music. I, I guess we I forgot to touch on that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the use of the operettas. Uh, it, it it would add a, a level of uh, gravity both in world and and also for us and as, for us as audience uh, that made it fun because uh, you knew that everyone was like the killer was kind of fucking with everyone using that music. Right, right. Was the operettas the stuff at the end? When oh, the, the, uh, the music. I mean, the music that he would play. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because you, you know, like he would put music. Uh, I mean, I, I guess the one thing that perhaps made this movie fun is that the killer was fun. The killer mm-hmm. was having fun at this process. It wasn't a. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of slashers where the killer is almost just the killing machine. I mean, whether it's Halloween, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Etc. The killer is just killing. Uh, in some cases, it's even out of out of pain, like um, on a, a, that summer camp movie. I forget now the name. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, 
here the killer is really enjoying what the killer what what he's doing. He's really enjoying it. He's putting music. He's setting up the stage. He's playing with the cat. Uh, in fact, I mean, this is the first killer I don't see killing the animal. Uh, and in that sense, there's a level of agency on the killer that made it more fun and playful. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, plus it's hard to take it that seriously with Almas, so it's not as dour as some slashers can get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a certain theatricality uh, to the killer that definitely works. Um, yeah, and I think we've covered that, like the way he sort of sets up the bodies and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good call there. Um, so yeah, I think that wraps up this uh, Film to Home episode. We will be mm-hmm. back in a few weeks with another one. Um, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, you can send us an email at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com. You can also um, uh, tweet at us, zafilmtofilm as well, on Twitter. Uh, and we will be uploading this to YouTube as well. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. Uh, hit uh, subscribe if you are listening to our podcast. And give us a five-star rating uh, if you would if you liked what you hear. So thank you all. And yeah. we will see you all next time. See you next time. Ciao. Ciao.